0: Champions, how is everybody doing? I almost said good morning because I'm used to being on here in the morning. But hello, champions. We're so pleased that you joined us for our partnership class tonight. Um, you guys know what to do. And I'm looking through the comments. It looks like a lot of you have already done that. Um, be sure to like the broadcast, share the broadcast, and tag your friends. Have you guys been enjoying these classes? I know that I certainly have. This has been a wealth of information and every single class has just been simply amazing. Some of them I've watched multiple times, like more than twice. Um, So I I just think that it is amazing that we really understand the heart of our church uh, so that we as partners know what we need to do for Fellowship of Champions. So we're gonna go ahead and get started. We'll do the announcements at the end, but we're gonna go ahead and get started. Uh, I definitely wanna respect your time and I am well aware of the fact that we are also competing with Married at First Sight right now, so we are definitely going to respect your time. So before we get started, let's uh, go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you tonight, just glorifying you and just praising your holy name. God, we thank you for every single thing that you've done for Fellowship of Champions. We thank you for everything that you have done for our partners. And God, tonight we ask that you unlock our understanding, God, that you... Uh, open our hearts and our minds and our hearts and our ears so that we can be receptive and we can receive what Holy Spirit is saying to us about fasting and prayer. God, we just thank you so, so, so much for the privilege of prayer. God, we thank you for this understanding of fasting. And God, we thank you that every single person who watches this, whether they watch it live or whether they watch the replay, God, that they will be transformed. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are going to go ahead and get started. Y'all, I have like a whole, whole, whole bunch of notes, but we're not gonna go through all of them. I'm gonna pull out uh, the things that uh, I feel are really important um, so that we can uh, get done in under an hour. So tonight we are talking about how to fast and pray. So my objective is to teach you What the Bible says about fasting and prayer. I'll insert a few things here and there, but you know we are a word-based church, so we're going to talk about what the Bible says about fasting and prayer. So I do want to offer this disclaimer that in a previous life I was a teacher, and so sometimes I find myself like reverting back into that teacher. So if I say, uh, you know, ask a question or whatever, you know, just overlook that. That's just what I do. I'll I'll try not to do it too often. So during the teaching days, though, one thing that I always wanted to do whenever I taught a new concept is I wanted to make sure that all of my students had a a good foundation, and that they had a really good understanding of what we were trying to learn. And I realized that when we're talking about fasting and prayer. I don't want to make any assumptions. So some of the things that I'm gonna talk about tonight, it may be things that you're well aware of, but it may be things that other people don't know. And remember at Fellowship of Champions, we do not despise repetitive teaching. So if, some, if it's something you heard before, then that means the Holy Spirit wants you to hear it again. If it's something that you've never heard before, that means the Holy Spirit wants you to hear it for the first time. So one thing that I like to do or used to like to do when I was a teacher, I like to do the five W's. That is who, what, when, where, why. And all of that is gonna lay the groundwork and then we're gonna talk about the how, okay? So let's get started. What is biblical fasting? Notice I inserted the word biblical fasting. So I try to find in scripture, you know, a good working definition. And there are references all throughout both the Old and and New Testament about fasting, but there was not just a single definition that I could pull out. So I compiled a lot of them. So this is my working definition of biblical fasting. It is to voluntarily reduce or eliminate your intake of food for a specific time and a specific purpose. So it is to voluntarily reduce or eliminate the intake of food for a specific time and a specific purpose. So let's take a look at this. The first key word here is voluntarily. So what does that mean? That means that fasting is something that we choose to do. It is not something that we should feel like we have to do. It is not something that we should feel like people are making us do. Fasting is voluntary. It is something that we choose to do. It is deliberate and it is intentional. So when we talk about reducing or eliminating the types of foods. What does that look like? Well, that means that maybe you eliminate certain types of foods from the diet. For example, if you've ever done the Daniel fast, there are a lot of foods that are eliminated from the diet for those 21 days. So there's no meat, there's no dairy, uh, there are no, uh, there's no bread, no carbs, no sweets, um, fried foods, processed foods, and different things like that. So that's what fasting could look like. Uh, for some people, they just eliminate food altogether. So some people may do a liquid only fast where they only drink water. Some people may do a liquid fast where they do broth or something else. There is no one size fits all. And even uh, here at Fellowship of Champions, the fast that we do, cause y'all do know we do a fast, right? So we fast every Monday night from 8 p.m until Tuesday after prayer. And our fast is no junk food, no sweets, uh, no tea, no coffee, no sodas. So that's still a fast, okay? Because we are eliminating for a set amount of time, certain food items out of our diet. So when we talk about a specific time, what is the specific time to fast? Whatever God tells you to Some people may do a one-day fast. Some churches may call a 21-day Daniel fast. Some people may do a no-food seven-day fast, 10-day fast, 14-day fast. But when we fast, it is for a specific amount of time. That is a biblical fast. And most importantly, fasting is for a specific purpose. Now, I know some people may do intermittent fasting. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about biblical fasting. So when you join with the other partners, of Fellowship of Champions, when we decide uh, corporately that we're going to fast or when you decide that you want to fast, it is for a specific purpose. And a lot of people have the misunderstanding that fasting moves God, that it makes him do something that we can um Coerce or manipulate him for lack of a better word into doing what we want to do And that is not what it is and we're going to talk a little bit More about that when we talk about why we fast but fasting is not for us to get god to move Fasting is for us Oh, yeah, that's another point later, too So I want to reiterate to everyone that the type of fast that you choose That's between you and god when you're choosing to fast, that's between you and God. So you can't compare what someone else does. I'll give you an example. I already eat a primarily plant-based diet. So if our church was going to do a corporate fa- a corporate Daniel fast, that's already how I eat. That would not be a sacrifice for me. So I would choose to do something else. Okay? If that does that make sense to everybody? So the type of fast that you choose, that's between you and God. And one thing that I've noticed, too, is that sometimes when we're being super spiritual. That we have people who have may, may have never fasted before. And then you say, hmm, I'm going to do 10 days with no food and only water. And a lot of people who try that, not saying that you can't be successful, because I mean, anything is possible, but. We have to be realistic and we have to do what God tells us to do. So if God told you to go 10 days with no food and only water, yeah, he's going to give you the grace. He's going to empower you to be able to do it. But if you told yourself, you may not be successful. So once again, I just want to keep saying the type of fast that you choose, that's between you and God. Why? Because God honors your best sacrifice. He honors it. So for some people, skipping one meal may be their best sacrifice. For some people, decreasing the amount of Cokes they drink per day, that may be their best sacrifice. But whatever the case may be, God is going to honor it. Now, I want to also offer something to you that I also believe that when you're in a corporate situation and when a corporate fast is called, that you need to do everything that you can do to participate in the fast in the way that they wanted you to. So if our, if pastor Edwin and pastor Sean say, Hey, the Lord told us we need to call a three day uh, liquid only fast. Then in that case, I don't have the autonomy to say, well, God, this is really between me and you. No, because I know that my pastors and my leaders are acting under the authority of Holy Spirit. And because I submit to them and I know they hear from God, if they say that God said to do a three-day fast, then that's what I need to do. This is one of those situations where, uh, you know, when it talks about not letting your uh, liberty and your freedom get you back into bondage, we don't want it to get, let the freedom of us uh, saying, well, how I fast is between me and God, get us into bondage so that we get into rebellion and disobedience. So I just wanted to say that God is looking for your best sacrifice. Bottom line, your best, not just what you want to give him, not the least that you can do, not the bare minimum. He wants your best sacrifice. So that's what fasting is. Now let's talk about who can fast. Now. Before I say this, I wanna offer this disclaimer. Everything that I say, I want you to listen through this through your ears of love, because what I'm about to say is in love, okay? Everybody can fast. Everybody can fast. Don't log off, everybody can fast. So I'm sure I don't have to tell you that I'm not talking about babies and toddlers. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that, but I'll offer that disclaimer. I'm not saying that you need to restrict food from your babies, your infants and your toddlers. But what I am saying is that even when we have children, if our children are old enough to understand prayer, if our children are old enough to pray, they're old enough to participate in a fast. Now, I'm not saying Don't give Don't uh, send little Johnny to school without lunch and tell him he can't eat between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Because that might get the people in your life. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that as parents, we can start teaching and training our kids now in this house. When I fast, we all fast. Kids, too. Now, if I'm doing a total no food fast, I don't have that expectation of them, but they have input into the type of fast that they're going to do. So they may say, hey, we're not going to eat candy. We're not going to eat sweets. And for kids, that's a big deal. That's their best sacrifice. And even as I was looking into this, uh, I saw and will read. That even in the Jewish culture, that once a kid turned about 10 or 11, they were expected to participate fully in the fast. So when I say that everybody can fast, everybody can fast. It is up to us as parents to start teaching and training our children. So we have to exercise wisdom. I'm not saying go to the extreme, but I'm saying that if there is a fast, your kids can fast. For those of you who have children that are partners of Fellowship of Champions, on Monday nights when we say we're not having sweets, your kids can do that. We can teach them that as they're fasting and as they're praying. Okay, now this is the part that's going to make some of y'all mad. Adults. You can fast, too. This is what I've seen people do when it's time to fast. They'll say, well, you know, girl, I want to fast, but baby, my blood sugar might get too low or my, my blood pressure or, or all of this. OK, there is a place for that. Most churches, when they do a corporate fast, they will give some type of disclaimer. If you're on medications and you have medical conditions, you should check with your doctor and you should. But what I'm saying is don't use that as an excuse not to fast. And this is why I know that you can fast. And this is not even in the Bible, but I'm going to tell you why. If you've ever had blood work done, laboratory work, if you've ever had any type of surgery, if you've ever been pregnant and had to take an oral glucose tolerance test, you fasted. They tell you no food eight to 12 hours before your appointment. You do it. And it's not detrimental to you. So I think that sometimes some people use that and say, "Mm -mm, girl, my blood sugar will get out of whack. But you're not concerned about your blood sugar when you're eating packs and packs and packs of cookies. And I don't say this from a place of condemnation. I just say this from a place so that we can have a heightened awareness that once again, it goes back to God is looking for our best sacrifice. He's not looking for us to get out of fasting, to look for ways to get out, he wants our best sacrifice. So I want to say again, I'm not saying that you should just go fast and not consult your doctors. That's not what I'm saying. Cause there's a place for that. If you take medications that require you to eat food and you're not eating food, you need to know what to do. If you have maybe some type of, uh, abnormal clotting disease, and you're gonna start eating more salads with vitamin K. Yeah, you need to talk to your doctor. But what I'm saying is do your due diligence to speak with the healthcare professionals that you need to, and then participate in the fast. Okay, see, that wasn't too bad, was it? I don't think so. All right, so what is fasting? We talked about that. Who can fast? Everybody. All right, so when do you fast? So while the Bible does not explicitly say when you need to fast. Now, we know that if we're looking at the Old Testament and even some parts of the New Testament, when they observed certain feasts, there were times, you know, the day of atonement, there are certain times that they did have to fast. But we don't do that. We're not under the law. So the Bible does not explicitly say you need to fast one time a week or you need to fast one time a month. It does not say that. But Matthew 6, 16 starts with the words when you fast, when you fast. So when you fast means that you're supposed to be fasting. It doesn't say if it says when. So this implies that fasting should be a regular practice in the life of the believers. We should fast. It should be a regular practice. So once again, when you fast, That's between you and God. So if your friend over here fasts one day a week, that doesn't mean that that's what you need to do if that's not what God told you to do. But if he told you to do it, then you should be obedient. Some people choose a certain day of the month. Some people may say, I'm gonna fast on the 15th of every month. Some people do choose a certain day of the week. I'm I'm gonna fast on Mondays, You know, like we do here at Fellowship of Champions, Monday night through Tuesday night. Um, But it should be a regular occurrence. And once again, that's between you and God. All right. So we talked about what a fast is, who can fast, which is everybody. When we fast, it should be a regular occurrence. So now we're going to talk about why we fast. There are so many reasons and benefits to fasting, but we don't have all day. So I'm just going to talk to you maybe three of them. First benefit of fasting is. That fasting brings us into a deeper, more intimate, and more powerful relationship with God. And remember when I told you earlier that we were going to revisit the specific purpose? This is one of the specific purposes. Fasting brings us into a deeper, more intimate, and powerful relationship with God. Once again, fasting does not force God's hand. We can't make God do anything. He's sovereign. We don't make him do it. Fasting does not manipulate him. Fasting does not give us a gold medal in the Christian Olympics, because, you know, sometimes we, when we're feeling works based, you know, like the Pharisees, I fast. I fast five days a week. I fasted for 14 days with no food. No. Fasting is supposed to bring us into that deeper, more intimate and more powerful relationship with God. So, the objective of fasting is to experience God in a deeper way. That's what it's about. It's not to get what you want. It's not like, ooh, I want a husband, so I'm going to fast. It's just to bring you into a deeper relationship with God so you can hear what he's saying to you. All right. Second reason I want to talk about is that fasting increases our spiritual senses. We become super sensitized to the things of God. Fasting helps us do that. Why? Because it unclutters our mind. It unclutters our spirit. Uh, It helps us to resist temptation. It helps us to get our flesh under control. So fasting increases our spiritual senses. So when you are in a period of fasting, because when you're fasting, you're also praying. And we'll talk about that in a second as well. You know, when you're fasting, you're not watching as much TV as you should. Because when you're fasting, you're focusing on your, as you used to, I'm sorry. When you're fasting, you're focusing on your relationship with God. The clutter is cleared. And when all that clutter is cleared, you can hear God. You're super sensitized, super sensitized. You're able to discern the truth about things. You're able to get clarity on maybe things that are going in your life. You're able to get clarity on maybe what the next step's are for you to take when you wouldn't have been able to do that if you were not fasting. The third thing that fasting does is it enhances our prayer life. Because when we are in a surrendered state, we can listen and hear and we know how to pray. We know what to pray. We're clear on how to pray. because we don't have all the distractions. We don't have this going on over here, this going on over there. We are, our flesh is under subjection. So we're not even praying those soulish prayers. Like when you're fasting, your prayer life is enhanced. And I've heard some people, I think it's been said at Fellowship of Champions, that when you uh, fast and pray, that's like your prayers are on steroids because you're hearing directly, pray this, pray that, pray this, okay? So those are the three things that fasting does for us. So it enhances our prayer life, it super sensitizes us to the things of God, and it brings us into a deeper relationship with God. And those are all things that we all need. So that's the foundation. That's the five Ws. So now let's talk about how we fast. Now we're going to read, I'm going to read Matthew 6.16 in the Passion Translation. I read it in a lot of them, and this one was my favorite one. So it says, "When you fast, don't look gloomy and pretend to be spiritual. Don't let it be obvious, but wash your face, groom yourself, and realize that your Father in the secret place is the one who is watching." In the Passion translation, it talks talked about how when the Pharisees would would fast, that they would like put stuff on their face. They would make sure they were dirty. They put on their worst clothes. They were out looking a hot mess. They would go in the city on the the market days that they knew people were going to be there. So people could say, look at them. They're fasting. And Jesus was like, "Uh uh-uh. Nope. That's not how you do it. And in fact, in Matthew six, Jesus had dealt with them about a lot of of their religious practices when he was talking to the disciples about a lot of the religious practices of the Pharisees, how they were giving and doing it publicly for a show, how they were fasting and doing it publicly for a show, how they were praying, but they were doing it publicly for a show. And none of it was for God. None of it. So. Matthew 6 16 this is how you shouldn't fast so you take the opposite of that right so you shouldn't be standing on the street corner you shouldn't be making yourself look crazy you need to make yourself look like something that's what they say in the country okay make yourself look like something and in this passage he tells them wash your face Put some oil on your head. Those are just normal hygienic practices. Nobody should know that you're fasting. So let me ask you this. How many times have you been on a fast and everybody at your job knows that you're fasting? You in a bad mood and well, girl, I'm just in a bad mood because I'm fasting. If you're going to do it like that, you might as well be eating and not fasting. Remember, this fast. This is personal. This is something we voluntarily choose, voluntarily choose to do, and it's between us and God. So, if you're gonna fast, comb your hair. Don't be at work looking like a hot mess. You know, if if put some, like the old people say, put some rudge on your face, comb your hair. Don't be out here acting like it is so grievous to fast, because what is that saying to people who are non-believers? And once again, this is not coming from a place of judgment, but it's like, I think at one point I was like the Pharisees when I was younger. Look, if I everybody needs to know I'm fasting, I'm fasting. I'm only drinking water. Yeah, that's why I snapped at you. No, we don't have to do that. And it just, it's so amazing to me that even now during the times that I pass fast, like sometimes even the people who live in the house with me, they don't know. Unless it's like, hey, David's like, hey, you want something to eat? I'm like, no, I'm good. And then, you know, he asked me again, you want something to eat? I'm like, no, I'm good. Like after the third time, because he knows I like to eat. He's like, well, are you fasting? I'm like, yeah. I don't even have to tell my husband, oh, David, I'm fasting. No, that's between me and God. So Jesus was like, don't y'all do that. So this is how we fast, okay? Here's how we fast. Based on what scripture says, this is not what I made up. The first thing that we need to do when we fast, we must practice discretion. It's not necessary for everybody to know that you're fasting. It's not necessary for everybody to know that you're a super saint. And once again, if you need to announce it, why are you fasting? Hmm. What is discretion? Now, if any of you are members of a Greek letter organization, we know what discretion is. Nobody should know anything about anything. It's the same way with fasting. That is the way of behaving in a way to avoid revealing private information because fasting is private. It's between you and God. So you have to have some discretion. No need to announce it. Why? Because scripture tells us that the God, the our God who sees what we do in private, he's the one who's going to reward us. So practice discretion. All right. The second thing we need to do when we're fasting is act normal. Don't be walking around looking all toe up. Don't be limping and, oh, I just feel so bad. And uh, no, act your normal self go about life as you would normally go about life fasting does not mean that you need you can take those 10 days and go home and lay in the bed no you should act and you should look normal and i'm going to reiterate look like something okay because once again how does that look to the world if we're saying oh i'm voluntarily choosing to fast i'm fasting so You know, to be closer to God. And then you up here looking a mess. Mm -mm, Don't do that. All right. The third thing we need to do. And I want to say this one in love, too. So y'all listen to this with your ears of love. When you're fasting, you must practice obedience and you must practice holiness. You cannot fast and be living raggedy. You can't fast and continue in sin. You can't fast and still be playing around with sin or fast and remain in an unrepentant state. Mm-mm. Fasting. I read somewhere. And I don't remember who said it. I didn't say it, but I'm, I wrote it down. Fasting must be accompanied by righteousness. Righteousness, God's way of doing things. That's how you fast. You must practice obedience and holiness. So, if you still want to be doing all the other ratchet stuff, why fast? For why? (laughs) Oh, Pastor Edwin says you cannot be fast and smash, and you can't. You shouldn't. Don't do that. All right. The fourth way that we fast. As found in scripture is we focus on God and we pray fervently. So rather than focusing on what you're missing, whether than rather than focusing on what you can't eat or what you can't do or what you can't go and all it is. Focus on God. Focus and pray. Focus and pray. And I have read where some people say that when they fast, that they literally read the word like it's food. So when it would be time for them to eat breakfast, they get the word out there like I eat the word for breakfast. And I know some people may feel like that's going too far, but no, focus on God and pray fervently. I I keep adding and pray because here's what I know. You can pray without fasting. You can do that. We do it all the time. You cannot fast without praying. You cannot do it. So you have to focus on God and pray fervently. And this, my friends, is how we fast. It's not complicated. It's not anything that's not achievable. This is how scripture says that we are to fast. All right. So now that we talked about fasting and I just said you cannot fast unless you're also praying. We're going to go into prayer. Let me check my time. I think I'm doing good on the time. Okay. so. What is prayer? Prayer to me. Is a conversation with God. Prayer is how we communicate with God. And when you think about a conversation, a conversation involves two people because you can't talk to yourself. I mean, you could, but that's not effective communication. But anytime there is effective communication, there's a sender and there's a receiver. And then they switch roles. So when we pray, we're having a conversation with God. And what I found is that there have been so many times that we when we pray. We have one sided conversations. We go in and talk to God, but we really ain't trying to hear what he's saying to us. So when we pray. Yeah, you have to stop. You talk, you stop, you let him talk back to you. Prayer is conversation with God. There are so many scriptural references that tell us that when we cry out to God, he hears us like so many. I don't even remember all of them, but it's like uh, there's a scripture that says that before I even call out, like he's already heard me. He's already responding, you know, that he hears our cries and that he answers. So there is absolutely no question that when we talk to God that he listens to us. So there should be absolutely no question that he will talk back to us. God's not rude. Now, sometimes, you know, I used to be like the queen of ignoring people. If I don't want to talk to him, you know, they say something to me. I act like I didn't hear him. God doesn't do us like that. He hears us and he responds. He talks back. Now, sometimes when he responds, when we're praying to him, his, his response might be, girl, I got you. It's done. Mm-hmm. It's done. Sometimes his response may be, eh, nope, that's not for you right now. Sometimes his response might be a flat out no. Sometimes his response may be specific instructions. So whatever that thing is that you're talking to him about, that you can do it. He may give you instructions that equip you to do what you need done. Sometimes he may just tell you things for your consideration. Sometimes part of God talking back to you may not even be things he's saying to you. It may be things that he's saying for someone else. So. Prayer is a conversation with God. It really is that simple. It is not something that's complicated. It's not something that only a few select people can do. Just like I'm talking to you, we talk to God that same way. That's what prayer is. So that's what is prayer. All right, let's talk about who can pray. Once again, if everybody can fast, everybody can pray. How do we know this? Because in Matthew 6 and 6, Jesus said, when you pray, once again, this implies it should be a part of our lives. And one of my favorite scriptures, um, when I was growing up was like Luke 18 and one, I didn't know what it meant. And it was my favorite scripture. Cause it was weird. And in the King James version, it says, man should always pray and not faint. Y'all, I thought that if you didn't pray, you were faint when I was a little kid. Don't judge me. I didn't know how to rightly divide, but now I know what it means. And I love the Amplified, uh, I think it's the Amplified or maybe the message, but one of them says, pray and don't give up. Oh, the Amplified says, pray, not give up and lose heart. That at all times you should pray, you should not give up, you should not lose heart. And one of the other ones was like, just don't give up, pray and don't give up. So that is my challenge to you, pray and don't give up. If it looks like the prayer is not being answered, pray and don't give up. If it seems like that what you're praying about is way, way, way too big and you don't want to bother God with it, pray and don't give up. Don't lose heart. OK. Pray and don't give up. So that's what y'all need to tell yourself. In fact, let's do some of uh, some comment evangelism. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, pray and don't give up. Don't give up pray so you don't have to faint. Now, okay, let me stop playing. Disregard that. Pray and don't give up. Okay? Why should we pray and not give up? Because God always answers. He always. So when people say, yeah, I prayed about it and God didn't. mm -mm." Nope. He always answers. Always. He's not a man who ignores us. He's not someone that says, well, get it how you get. I ain't got time to be fooling with you today. No, that's not how God is. Pray and don't give up. All right. When do we pray? First Thessalonians 517 tells us when we pray. All the time. Without ceasing. Make your life a prayer. I love that. Make your life a prayer. So does this mean that you walk around all day with your head bowed? And what do they say head bowed and humble hearts and I, that's not what this is saying. It's saying that your life should be a prayer. It's saying that everything that you encounter in life, that it's a prayer, that you don't want to do anything in life without communicating with God about it through prayer. That's what this means. Make your life a prayer. And how many of us can say that we, we really do that, that we want to get to the point where every single thing is a prayer. It's a conversation with God. God, should I do that? I think this is a good idea. What do you think about it, God? Hmm. God, I want to go over here. Is that what you think I should be doing? Like that is what we should we should be doing. And to me, it's when you do that, it's like you're living in a state of God consciousness and you're understanding. I can't do anything apart from being from 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 talking to God about it. You're you're so God conscious that you understand the need to have his input on every decision, regardless how small, how big it is. So I want to challenge everybody to let's get to that level of God consciousness. Let's live in a state of God consciousness that whatever, regardless of whatever is going on around me, I'm going to talk to God about it. Regardless of what somebody says to me, and makes me mad. I'm going to talk to God about it. Regardless of what is going on in the world. You know what, God, we're going to have this conversation. So when you live in that state of God consciousness, it is like you're living a surrendered life. So when you make your life a prayer, you're living a surrendered life and you say, God, I'm going to talk to you about everything. Everything It's nothing that I'm going to decide to do on my own that I don't consult you about. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. So when you pray. That's what you do. Make your life a prayer. All right. Where do we pray? Matthew 6 6 is very clear. It says, When you pray, go into your most private room. Closing the door, pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret, Will reward you in open. So, once again, Jesus gave the same admonishment about prayer. He gave the same admonishment about fasting. He gave the same admonishment, even in this chapter, about giving that when you do it, God sees what you do. So, we don't have to, you know, make a public spectacle of our prayers. Is there a time for public prayer? Absolutely. Is there a time for corporate prayer? Absolutely. There's also a time that you need to go in your secret place. Your innermost changer innermost chamber and you need to close the door. So why do you need to do that? Because sometimes you have to remove the distractions. Sometimes you have to get away from your phone. You have to move away from the TV. You have to move away from your kids or your spouse or other people that are in your life. And I just want to say that if you have kids and people in your life, that you have to set those boundaries. Now, in my house, that's my boundary. And my kids know if I'm here by myself. Yeah, I pray anywhere because you can just turn on TV. I'll put your phone up, whatever. But. If, if other people are here, there are times when I need to pray that I'm going in my closet. They already know when I go in the closet, which I better not do, don't come in here knocking on the door because to get to me, you got to knock on three doors to get to where I am. Do not do that. And I remember once I could hear them whisper, she's in there praying. Leave her. Yes, I'm in here praying. I'm setting that boundary. So. You go in your innermost chamber. Where, What place have you set aside to pray? Maybe your place is not your closet. Maybe your place is in your car. Maybe your place is in the parking lot at your job if you get to work 15 minutes early. Maybe your, your place could be wherever your place is. But have your place so that you can commune and converse with God. Okay? So, yeah. So, we talked about what? Who, when, where, now let's talk about why. Why do we pray? We pray for one reason. I found a lot of them, but I'm going to sum it up in one reason. Prayer is our way of receiving what God wants us to have in our lives. That's it. That's why we pray. Prayer is our way of receiving what God wants us to have in our lives. When we pray his will, when we pray his word, we'll receive what he has for us in our lives. That's why we pray. And not to go into a whole lot of detail, but we have to think about it like this man has dominion over the earth. God is a God of order, he's the God of heaven. God does not come down here on the earth making us do. Anything. Everything that we do in the earth, we choose to do it. God made salvation available. We still had to choose salvation. God has made healing available. We have to choose healing. God created his own economic system. We have to participate in seed time and harvest. We have to participate in the tithe. So, the only way that we can receive what God wants us to have in our lives, we have to pray. He doesn't just drop stuff from the sky and say, ooh, here you go. No, we have to pray. And I remember uh, this was something I read when I was uh, preparing for a, a master class a couple of months ago. And y'all, this just blew my mind. And this really solidified how important prayer is. Because some people think, well, my prayers really don't matter, your prayers matter. And what I read was, it was in this book. Um, it was called, I think, The Intercessor's Handbook, uh, written by Jennifer Ives, somebody I don't remember. Anyway, what they said was, God restrains himself from acting until he has heard our voice in prayer. God, almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Restrains himself from acting until he has heard our voice in prayer. Y'all, when I read that, it was like my mind was blown. That we're talking about God who restrains himself listening for our voice in prayer to ask him for that thing. That he's already given for, given to us. Okay. Look, I'm going to have to take a sip of water after that. He restrains himself. He doesn't do anything until he's heard our voice in prayer. That's why we pray. That's how we get. That's how we receive what Mm -hmm. God wants to do in our lives. We have to pray. So how do we pray? All right, we're doing good. So prayer is not a one size fits all. And that's one of the things I think that keeps uh, some people from from fully engaging in prayer because we feel like that if we don't pray like somebody else, then we don't pray or we shouldn't pray. Mm -mm. There's. There's no one size fits all. And we say this all the time. That is why I love our intercessory prayer team. None of us pray alike. But we all pray effective prayers because we pray the way that we are. You know, like. I lo- Everybody's personality, the person God created them to be. That's how they pray. And that's how you should pray too. So prayer is not one size fits all. So we're going to go to Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Now we're not going to read it all. Um, I have it here in the Passion Translation because I like the Passion Translation of this. Uh, We all learned the Lord's Prayer when we were however old it was that we were. And the reason that I really want to uh, talk about this, I did a whole masterclass about this, but I wanted to talk about it because sometimes when we learn those things when we're young, we don't, you know, we half the time when we were kids, we were saying the words wrong and we really didn't understand what it meant. So when we talk about prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer is in two places in the Bible. That's really not important, but I just want to tell you all that it's in two places. They believe that it's two different instances. One of them was around the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 6. And then the other one was one time when Jesus had gone off praying and he came back and the disciples was like, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. So when we talk about how to pray, Jesus pray. And since Jesus is our example, we're going to go through the Lord's Prayer and I'm going to talk to you about some of the basic elements. Of prayer. So, in order to do that, because I told you I was a teacher, then I did do this acronym because I just believe that when you have acronyms and when you have mnemonics, that sometimes it's just easier to remember things. So, we don't have to remember 25 different things. I grouped everything into four. So, we're going to use the acronym PRAY because that's what we're talking about, right? All right. So, the elements of prayer. All right, so let's talk about P. P means to position yourself in praise and reverence. Why? Because God deserves praise for everything he's done for us and he deserves reverence. So when we look at the Lord's Prayer or some people call it the model prayer, it says our Father who are in heaven. Our beloved Father dwelling in the heavenly realms. Okay. So when I read that, what does that mean? That means that we pray to God. That's one of the essential elements of prayer. We pray to God. Now we don't pray to the universe. We're not praying to Holy Spirit. We're not praying to Jesus. We're not praying to the ancestors. We pray to God because that's what it says here in scripture. Our father who art in heaven. Jesus said, pray this way, our father who art in heaven. So we pray to God, we show respect and we show reverence to him because he is our loving father. And when I think about God being a loving father, uh, I and I say this all the time, that I'm so glad that I have a loving father uh, in the natural, because I really grasp I can really grasp God's love for me. And so when I think about my dad, when I go to visit them, I can just be. So if I go there and I don't want to comb my hair, my dad doesn't say, no, doctor, you need to comb your hair. No, I can just be because it's my daddy. He doesn't say you're going to put some makeup on or some lip gloss, girl, because you're looking kind of like something over there. He doesn't do that. I can just be. I can be as corny as I want to be. I can be as silly as I want to be. I can be as loud as I want to be. Why? Because that's my dad. He's my loving father. And if we think about God that way, think about approaching him in prayer like that, that God, I don't have to put on airs. I don't have to pretend to be somebody I'm not. You accept me. For who I am because you're my loving father. Have y'all ever thought about it that way? He is our loving father. And not only is he our loving father, but we are his special children. So once again, think about it like this. I tell everybody, I'm my parents' favorite child. You know, I don't know if that's true or not. I believe that it is. But there are things That my dad will do for me because I'm his child that he won't do for the next person because they're not his child. We have a special relationship. My daddy wants to be good to me. My daddy wants to say kind things to me. My daddy wants to make sure that I have everything that I need and that I'm going to be okay. Because we have a relationship. I'm his child. Well, it's the same way with God. When we are his children, when we have accepted Jesus Christ, when we have been made righteous, when we have been reconciled back to God, we're his loving children. So when I approach him in prayer, I approach him that way. "Mm -hmm. Hey, daddy, I know you want to be good to me. I don't go into prayer thinking, oh, should I ask this? Oh, dang, is God going to be mad if I ask? Mm -mm." No, he is our loving father. The second part of positioning yourself in praise and reference that comes from the Lord's prayer is hallowed be thy name. So we're telling God, God, your name is holy. We recognize that your name is holy. We recognize that you are to be respected, that you are to be revered. And it says, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. The glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Isn't that amazing? So that means that we do not I don't treat God or his name any type of way. That means I don't have a casual relationship with God. That means that because God's name reflects his character, there's a way that I interact with him. Same way with my dad. There are some things that is silly and whatever else I am sometimes. There are some things I will not say to my daddy. There are some things that I will not say around my daddy. Mm -mm. Nope. Not even that it's just bad, but it's just it's the way I handle him because I respect him. I don't call him out of his name. I don't say derogatory things about him. I don't talk down to him or about him. Because he's my dad. And his name means something. He means something in my life. It should be the same way with God. We should have total respect for him. We don't talk crazy to God. We don't talk bad about him. So we're not out here talking about what God didn't do for me and all this other stuff. No, that's disrespectful. We never, ever disrespect his name. And you know what? I take it a step further. I'm not going to disrespect his name and you're not going to disrespect his name around me either. So if people are saying crazy stuff about God, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, that ain't right. Nope. You can't say that about my daddy. No. So we have to position ourselves in praise and in reverence. That is an essential element of prayer. All right. So let's move on to R. R is we have to receive the establishment of God's kingdom in the earth. Well, what does that mean? His perfect will has already been done in heaven. And remember, I said, while we pray, we pray so that we can see the manifestation on earth of what he's already done for us in heaven. So our prayers make it so that his will is fully recognized and realized on the earth. So when it says "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look what it says in the Passion Translation manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose, because you know his purpose and his plan for us is good, to be fulfilled on the earth just as it is in heaven. The kingdom agenda is advanced through our prayer. This is why we have to pray God's word, because we have to mature from praying things that we want to see and praying what we think and praying what we feel. We have to pray his will and we pray his will by praying his word. Why? Because his will is what's already done. So if I'm up here asking God for some crazy stuff that has not been done in heaven, how am I going to see it on earth? You know, if I ask God, OK, God, I want you to help me go over here so I can rob this bank so I can get a million dollars. No, that has not been done in heaven. I never see that on earth. I don't care how much I fast and pray. It's not going to happen. We only see the things that he's already willed, the things that he's already done that have been done in heaven. So we have to mature and we have to not pray things that God didn't endorse. That's a good way of putting it. Because if you do that, basically what you're doing is that you're coming into agreement with that other person's plan for your life and not God. I'm talking about the defeated one. So if you're over here praying some crazy stuff that God didn't endorse, you're coming to agreement with what the defeated one's plan for your life is. And we don't want that. We only want God's will in our lives. So what I really find fascinating about this is. That when we say Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done or however it is that we say it from whatever translation is that you read it in. We're in essence saying, God, I surrender to your rule and reign. OK, I surrender to your rule and reign. That's it. So that's R. right. All right. Let's do a a is you ask God to meet your every need, no matter how big, no matter how small. And then you ask for and you extend forgiveness. Let me tell you all something. This asking God to meet your every need. That's not for the faint of heart. But it should be because in our flesh, we want to figure out how we can get stuff in our flesh. We want to have a plan. And honestly, this part of the Lord's prayer has become so real to me because over the past, it's been a year that I have not worked a nine to five. It's been a year that I haven't gotten a good, good paycheck. And so I'm finding myself where I'm some days I'm like, God, I need my daily bread today. And y'all, it is so funny because this morning. For some reason, I woke up and thought it was Thursday. I don't know. So I have a nail appointment on Thursday, which is tomorrow And so I I woke up and, you know, laid there and set my intentions for the day and all of that. And I'm praying. And I was like, God, I need to get my nails done today. And I said, your word says that I can ask you for my daily bread. And I thank you that there's not even anything that I need that you don't even already know. So, God, I thank you for your provision for my nails today, thinking it was Thursday, but it wasn't. So I get a call. Someone's like, hey, can you come perform my wedding ceremony? I almost didn't go do it. But then I was like, gosh, should I? Because I don't want to. He's like, girl, get up and go. So I went. And most people, when I perform their ceremony, like some people just don't tip. They don't whatever. And I'm just like, OK, whatever. Count it as a seed. Keep it moving. So today I did the ceremony and then they were like, can you take pictures with us? And I'm like, OK, I'll take pictures. Sign the marriage license and I'm leaving. And as I'm leaving, I hear somebody running behind me. Now, I'm just kind of creeped out. It was the gentleman. And he was like, ma'am, ma'am, thank you so much. So this guy did one of those grandma moves and he just put it in my hand. So I just put it in the uh, bag that I was carrying and didn't even look at it. When I got home and looked, listen, that was money for my nails. And I was like, even though I had the day wrong. Even though I was mixed up, but because in my place of prayer, I'm like, God, I trust you for my daily bread. And I had it. I have it. So we have to ask God to give us our daily bread. Ask him to meet your every need. He knows what the needs are. He's already provided for your needs. But remember, he restrains himself. And he's waiting for you to ask him to meet the need. And when you ask him, he'll meet the need. That's right, Pastor Chris. He's the God of the nail money. He is the God of whatever you need him to be. So everything that we need comes from God. So if you need money, ask him for your daily bread. If you need clothes, ask him for your daily bread. If you need food, ask him for your daily bread. Like what? Ever, if you need healing, that might be your daily bread. If you woke up with a headache, God, today I need this headache to go away. I need some healing. You know, if you need peace, that may be your daily bread. Ask him for it. If it's a physical need, if it's a spiritual need, if it's an emotional need, ask him for it. God takes care of every single thing that we need. That's his job. Why? Because he's our father. That's what dads do, right? Dads provide for their children. Okay. So another thing that I really thought about, and I think I may have taught this in another class. I'm not going to go into a uh, lot of detail about it. But another thing that I was thinking that our daily bread sometimes is, is not tangible things. But sometimes our daily bread is a rhema word. It's a revelatory word. There have been times that I'm praying about something and I get a word and it makes absolutely no sense. And I'm sitting up here like. Did God say that? Did I make that up? And then as the day goes on. And things start to happen. I understand why I got that word. Ask him for your rhema word every day. God, what am I going to encounter that I need to be prepared for? What's your word? Okay. So, PRA. Oh, oh, y'all. Now we have to talk about the forgiveness part. We're still on A. We have to ask for and extend forgiveness. Now, a lot of us have become proficient in asking God to forgive us. Okay, we do because we do stuff. In fact, some of us, we try to ask for the forgiveness before we even do it. But some of us find it challenging to release others. So what God is showing us here is that when we say forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, He's saying, you know what, Chandra, if you would release that anger and bitterness and offense and unforgiveness that you have, you make more room in your heart for my love. That's all he's saying, because if I'm holding all of that in my heart. That's less room that God has to, to show me his love. Or less room that I have to experience his love. So. How do we ask God to show us mercy, but then we don't want to extend mercy? That perplexes me. And once again, this is not coming from a place of judgment because I have been that person that I fully expect God to forgive me. Because the word says he does. It says he will. Says if I confess my sins, He's faithful just to forgive me. But sometimes people would do stuff to me and I just wouldn't be so quick. It definitely wasn't thrown into my sea of forgetfulness. Because every time I thought about it, I was mad and meditating on the offense. So one scripture that I love is Mark 11, 25, that speaks to this forgiveness. And it tells us that when you stand praying, because see, if I'm glad that it says when you stand praying, because if it didn't say that part, some of us will say, well, they ain't talking about when you pray. No, it's very clear. Mark 11, 25, when you stand praying. If you have something against another person, and I'm paraphrasing, you need to release them. You need to release it. You need to forgive them so that God can release and forgive you. When you stay praying, And let me tell you, this scripture has changed my life in so many ways. Because I have a lot of stuff that I could be angry about, but there is no person. There is no situation. There is nothing that anyone could do to me. That is worth me holding anger and unforgiveness in my heart. It's not. Because there are things that I have gone to the throne room about. There are things that I'm waiting to see the manifestation in the earth. I don't need me sitting over here being mad about some stupid stuff. To hold all of that because I need God to be able to forgive me. Because remember, a scripture also tells us that if you hold uh, iniquity repeated sin, in your heart, God doesn't even hear you when you pray. I need him to hear me. So anybody or anything that is going to be the barrier between him hearing me, yeah, you got to go. All right. I've gone over five minutes, but I'm almost done. So what I love about Mark 11 25 is that it's clear. Release it. Because what's funny to me is we get all happy about the Other the earlier verses in Mark 11, you know, in 22, where it says, oh, have the God kind of faith that you can speak to the mountain tell it to be removed and uh, be cast into the sea. And it'll happen that if you that when you pray, that if you believe you will receive like we get happy about that part. But then when it comes to the part about when you stand praying, forgive, we leave that out sometimes. Forgive, ask for and receive forgiveness. There's nothing you can do that God's not going to forgive you for. I mean, blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But outside of that, don't feel like your situation is too far gone. Okay? So, now let's move on to why. The last element of prayer. Why means that we need to yield to God's sovereign power in our lives. Why? Why? Because it's his power that protects us from trials and adversities. It is his power that uh, protects us from things that try to draw us away from him. Okay. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we need to yield to his sovereign power. Temptation and sin go hand in hand. It does. The test and sin go hand in hand, because if you have temptation or the test and you're not being led by God, you're going to fall into sin, which is separation from God. Hmm. So we're asking God to help us. To know the right thing to do and then to do it. See, some of us know the right thing to do. We just don't do it. But when we yield to his sovereign power, we're asking him to help, to give us the discernment, to know, to, to truth and know what we should do and then do it. OK. So God is there to free us when we fall into sin. Now, notice I did not say if we fall into sin, I said when. Because we all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory. Okay. Nobody's perfect. But when you get entangled, God is right there to help free you up and to rescue from the grip of sin. He doesn't let you fall in sin and stay in sin. He'll grab you. Pull you out. So the last part of yielding to God's sovereign power is acknowledging and affirming that he is, in fact, sovereign. For thine is the kingdom and the power. And the glory forever. God runs this. His kingdom is without end. His power is without end. And he deserves to be glorified. He deserves to be be respected. And he deserves to be praised forever for that. The kingdom, the power, and the glory belong exclusively to God. So those are the key elements of prayer. So when we're praying, we pray from a position of praise and reverence. We pray from a position of receiving uh, what God has already done for us and receiving the manifestation of his kingdom in the earth. We pray from a position that we can ask for forgiveness and we can also extend forgiveness. We pray from a position that we yield to his sovereignty. That's how we pray. It's not about the words. It's not about if your words rhyme. It's not about if you say the right words, but that is how we pray. It's about our position and our posture in prayer because God is not standing here with a clipboard saying, you pronounced that word wrong, so I'm not gonna answer your prayer. He's not doing that. He's listening to hear our voice as we pray his word. And the last part of the model prayer is amen. And amen just says it's true. Let it be so. So I'm going to stop right here. I think that I have accomplished all of my goals. We laid the foundation using the five W's of uh, fasting and the five W's of prayer. We also discussed um, how to fast based on scripture. And we discussed how to pray. Uh, based on Scripture, so there's another aspect of prayer uh, that involves praying the Word. We're not going to go through that tonight um, because I wrote a book about it, and what I'm going to do is for every partner who's on here, uh, we'll put the link up here. You can click the link and go to the website, and if you use uh, the promo code F. OC capital F, capital O, capital C. You can download a complimentary copy of this ebook for your personal use. Okay, for your personal use. So, this is not share the code with everybody so they can get a complimentary copy. No, this is because partnership has its privileges. And as a partner of Fellowship of, of Champions, we wanna make this resource available to you so that you have a better understanding of how to pray the word. Cause you have to pray the word in conjunction with using these elements of prayer. So once again, the code will expire at 1159 PM CST tonight. So go to the site, you want to choose the ebook. And when you put in the code FOC, uh, it should, it'll be free for you and you can download it. If you have any problems, reach out to me, but the code is good through 1159. And this is for your personal use. This is not for you to share with everybody. This is for your personal use. Okay. Also, while you're on the website, uh, I have another resource that uh, is called, it's Pray the Word, but it is a guided workbook and a journal. And so it has some worksheets that you can use in conjunction with the book. Now, I only have 10 copies of those uh, in stock. So once again, once you're on the website, you can choose the Pray the Word, I think it's called Pray the Word journal, and it's $20. And I will give you a code. Let me see, I forgot what I made the code. Oh, the code is F-O-C workbook. Now, I only have 10 of them, so the code is only going to work 10 times. So you, if you want it, you need to head on over there and grab that. And that code will take $5 off. So you will only pay $15 plus the cost of shipping. I only have 10 of them left. And it's a, it's a great resource. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from people that have used it. Uh, there are a number of other items on the site. I taught a whole masterclass called uh prayer makes it happen it's really really good um you can get the zoom replay that's on there if you choose to get that um i don't remember how much that is but it's on the site um and what else is on there just take a look and if there's anything on there that you that you know catches your attention add it to your cart but i want to make sure that we get a copy a complimentary copy of the ebook, Pray the Word. And in this book, it's going to talk to you about some uh, misconceptions about prayer, some or barriers to prayer. It's gonna to talk to you, it talks about, um, I talk about why we pray. I talk about why we pray the word. And then I give you a method that I found beneficial uh, when I was making the transition into word-based prayers because that's what gets God's attention. So that's what he always responds to. So that's all that I have for you guys tonight. Uh, I see that some of y'all are already download the book, download it. I promise you, download it. Uh, It is an excellent resource. Hey guys, thank y'all. I'm so sorry that I went over time. Uh, I do try to respect the time and be done in an hour, but hey, thank y'all for joining us. Um, if you have questions, you can leave them in the comments. I'll be happy to answer them. If you have prayer requests, y'all know that at Fellowship of Champions, we are a praying church. If you didn't know, I mean, we pray twice twice a week. We are a praying church and we're a fasting church. So send us your uh, prayer requests to the uh, ministries Facebook page. We're more than happy to get those and pray for you. I hope that everybody learned something, uh, tonight, uh, I'm sorry for going over. I love you all. Thank y'all so much for hanging in here with us. Uh, Thank you for being a partner fellowship of champions. Oh, I forgot about our announcements. Connect with us. It's a lot of ways to connect with us. So it's something almost every day of the week. On Mondays, Pastor Sean does um, strategies for success. That's on Mondays at 12 noon. That is on her professional page. And you may also catch it on her personal page. Tuesday nights at eight o'clock. We're here for corporate prayer. We love to pray and we pray the word Wednesdays refresh Bible study, 8 p.m. Okay, join us because Pastor Ralph does his good, good teaching. In Refresh Bible Study. On Thursdays, we have uh, Ignite for our teens. They meet via Zoom. You can get the information on the website there on the screen. That's at 7 p.m. on Thursdays. And then for Victory Zone, we have those videos on demand for our babies. So you can just download them, sit down, and watch them with your kids at any time. You can do it on Thursday, but you can do it at any other time. Friday mornings at 6.30 a.m. Champion Circle. We're here bright and early, and we literally have people from all over the world to join us in prayer. And we invite you to do that, too. Uh, On Saturdays, that's your day to rest. Sundays, 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Pastor Kristen Valley is on her professional page. Kristen Valley Worship's. And y'all listen. Pastor Chris be taking us in. Every Sunday morning at 930. And then as soon as we're done with that, we skip right on over to Fellowship of Champions Churches page. And it's uh, also, I think, cast to a number of other different pages. You can catch us in several different places. But that's our Sunday celebration with Pastors Edwin and Pastor Sean at 10 a.m. So connect with us. If you want to be a virtual partner, we want you to be a virtual partner. Go to the registration link. We would love to have you. Fellowship of Champions is an awesome church. It is a place that you can grow. Uh, It is a place that you can flourish. So we encourage you that if you've been following us for a while and you just haven't committed, go ahead and commit today. You can be a virtual partner. Can you be a member somewhere else in a virtual partner? You absolutely can. And also, if you want to sow into this ministry, this is good ground. All the ways to give are listed there on screen. And guess what? It does not have to be a Sunday for you to give. You can give on a Wednesday night. So those are the ways to give. Hey, guys, thank you so much. Um, We'll see you tomorrow. your your teens tomorrow, and then we'll see you Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. for Champion Circle. So thank y'all for hanging in there. And we'll chat with y'all Friday morning. All right. Bye, everybody.